The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Practical Spirituality Positive Messages This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Unlock the power of your dreams. Welcome to Ask Dr. Dream with Kelly Sullivan Walden. Welcome everyone to Ask Dr. Dream. This is the place where you uncover the truth of your dreams and reveal the beauty of who you are. I'm your host, Dr. Dream, Kelly Sullivan Walden, grateful to be on Unity Online Radio, simultaneously on Facebook Live, and perhaps at some point even Instagram Live. Oh my God, that's like so many technologies all overlapped. But it's all a dream, so we can multitask and be in multiple places at the same time. And there's no one I'd rather do that with than this amazing woman in front of me on my screen, the gorgeous inside and out, Laura Fredrickson. So before I let her tell you all about her amazing book, A Journey Back to Self, first of all, pause this recording, go get her book on Amazon. It's going to change your life. It's so wonderful. Her story is heartbreaking, heart-wrenching, but so inspiring. A Journey Back to Self by Laura Fredrickson. So just get that. Okay. So now if you're back with us, let me tell you a little bit about this gorgeous, glorious woman. Laura Fredrickson is a TEDx speaker, soul whisperer, and the author of the best-selling book, A Journey Back to Self, for those who have lost their way. Laura's enriched the lives of thousands of people to include Victoria's Secret supermodels like myself, just kidding, (laughs) celebrities, UN ambassadors, and global leaders. She's served as a trusted advisor for executives and companies who are seeking to shift their challenges and setbacks into growth opportunities. The loss of Lara, Laura's parents to a dual suicide. And I say that like it's a, like it's, let me just pause for a moment. She's going to give you much more. She'll give you a little more information about that, but she lost her parents to a dual suicide as well as her own brush with suicide after losing everything in the tech collapse were catalysts for Laura to redefine her life and sense of identity and ultimately to inform her life's purpose to guide others who have lost their way. Laura's global mission is to awaken people to the true source of their freedom, fulfillment, and well-being, and to initiate a deep remembrance of their innate value and signature significance to this planet. So Laura is amazing. She has worked with so many people and I could gush on and on. I mean, just some of the people I'll name drop for a second. Um, Richard Branson, she's presented at his company uh, for filmmaker Gus Van Sant, Tim Ferriss of the four hour work week, Tony 
I don't know how to pronounce his name, Hish and Gabby Bernstein. And Gabby Bernstein. So she's one of the most revered, influential thought leaders of our time. And I'm so, so, so grateful to get to share this platform with the amazing Laura Fredrickson, a special and dear friend of mine. Thank you so much, Laura, for surviving all that you've survived and coming out the other side and thriving so that we all can follow your breadcrumbs and do the same for ourselves. So welcome. Thank you, my dear friend. Thank you for such a beautiful introduction and for allowing me to be in service. Um, I'm so grateful. I do need to just make a slight correction. I have not presented. It's okay. I just want to be honest and uh, clear. I've not presented at uh, Richard Branson's company. I've just presented alongside each of uh, the people you mentioned at events. So not necessarily at their Yes. Okay. Yes. So oh my God. All right. But that, clarify. but it's pretty darn close. You're like rubbing okay, elbows yeah, with yeah. some pretty amazing people uh, and that's extraordinary. So bravo you. to you because you've got a message worth sharing. I mean, I, when I heard your story, I was so thunderstruck. Um, first, let me just go back. When I first met you, I was blinded by the light. Uh, we were both doing um, a program for with Dan Adams. And do you remember it was a high purpose, higher purpose project, higher purpose project. Mm -hmm. And, and you were in the room when I was presenting and I could, I was just talking to you and I had to force myself to talk to the rest of the room because you were shining so bright. And I was so engaged in talking with you. And then we talked afterwards. And then the next day you shared your story and you presented. And I was like, how could somebody who's bright as bright and beaming as you have lived through something that you lived through. I had no, I was so shocked. I would have thought you never had a bad day in your life, but lo and behold, you've lived through some unthinkable hardships. So for those who don't know you, um, can you give us a little bit of your backstory and how you came to this amazing, amazing book? Uh, Well, I like to begin my story by saying that, uh, my mother got pregnant with me on the birth control pill. So that is how Mm. devoted and committed I am to being here. I I think the percentages are (laughs) 99.7% effectiveness. So uh, I'm definitely committed to being here. So Mm -hmm. that was the inception of my journey as I forged through the birth control pill. And I I don't spend too much time recapping the aspects of my past, uh, only the key elements now, because I am yeah. more interested in foreground, but yeah. uh, I, I will just distill in saying that my parents, bless them, uh, were very, very disillusioned and had bought into a very prominent cultural belief that their security resided in their bank account. So they were faced with massive amounts of debt and financial despair. I almost said ruin, but that would suggest a finality. But to them, there was a finality to that. And there was really no escape other than to end their lives. Uh, I will also preface by saying that when they did get pregnant with me unexpectedly, they were very, very poor. And... Mm actually made a morbid vow. Uh, Typically on a wedding day, it's filled with 
love-based promises and best case scenarios. And my parents created a survival strategy, uh, one that was very entrenched in fear and despair and worry over money. Uh, so they created a survival strategy. And within that, they agreed that if they ever got caught, they would end their lives. So I think of them sort of as a mo modern day uh, Bonnie and Clyde, if you will. Right, I mean, they did, right. they, they did have, a, uh, it was a self-fulfilling prophecy uh, as we all create our own self-fulfilling prophecies. And so uh, 30 years after their wedding day, it did, it did come to be their reality. And uh, mm. yeah, so that, that was of course, extremely instrumental uh, for me, and I went along the same path my father had. I was in the same trajectory of belief, which was that my well-being, my security was also going to reside in my bank account. So I pursued conquering money because that's what I had been taught. I was raised in the, uh, what I consider to be an oxymoron, which is financial freedom, and <sighs> that my freedom existed in my finances. So I started to get obsessed with making money in the stock market and was quite successful. And I use air quotes around that hmm. uh, and amassed quite a fortune. And in retrospect, I was definitely on my way to being the richest woman in the cemetery. I was <sighs> so full of stress. The more money I made, the more stressed out I became. I had this gorgeous home in Colorado nestled right amongst the Colorado Trail never got out, was always in my office. And in essence, my life became a ticker symbol. So uh, as the stock market went up, so did my mood. I became elated. I became happy. <gasps> and then when it would go down, my mood would plummet and go down as well. So ultimately, I was gifted and it truly, truly was a gift. Of course, in retrospect, at the time, it was... Uh, one of the most challenging times in my life, but I ended up losing everything in the tech collapse. And my home went in foreclosure. I found myself in an abusive relationship as of course, how we relate is always a reflection of our own state of security. So everything played out in that dynamic in a very harsh manner. Uh, and ultimately I was basically set up to have the same fate that my parents were. I decided I was going to end my life. My entire identity and sense of worth, I perceived had been lost. I perceived at the ripe age of 31 that I had lost it all. And that, you know, I had been plotting for three months what my, what my, how I was going to end my life and decided to make a very different life-changing choice. And that was to be vulnerable. And I opened up to my dear friend at the time and I shared with her, I shared all my most desperate, vulnerable parts of me. And all I can say is there was an opening uh, there was a witnessing that occurred for me in a way that I had never felt, I had never seen, allowed myself to be seen in quite that same way. 
And it was just incredible, uh, incredible and felt a heart, you know, just a pinprick of hope. Went and sat on my couch and a book appeared on Chinese numerology, which is the science of numbers. I'd never seen the book before. I believe it was absolutely divinely placed in my life. And I opened up the book. There's nine distinct paths, each with their own theme. Mine is a life path of a nine, which is let go and let God. And in the first paragraph, it summarized in detail every single thing that had happened to me. You may lose loved ones. Wow. You might lose money in the stock markets. You can learn to surrender and let go. You'll have the most incredible life filled with purpose and love, beauty beyond your wildest imagination. And I will never, ever, ever forget the feeling that I had in that moment. I literally had this feeling of, am I being watched? <laughs> And in essence, I was, yeah. I believe absolutely I was. And it was in that moment that I realized that there was a purpose to the pain, that the chaos had a purpose, that I was more than just a human being. And I decided that I did need to die. This was also very pivotal for me. I did need to die, but I needed to leave my body out of it. Uh, there was a lot of operating systems. There was a lot of ways in which I was identifying. I call it my case of mistaken identity. Mm, I love that. And I had to let all of that go. And I surrendered to surrender. I didn't even know what that meant. I had spent most of my life strategizing, plotting, controlling, scheming, thinking that I had to control my life in order to get ahead, to be successful, any of those things. So I spent a lot of time in nature, climbed 14,000 foot peaks, swam in crystal blue lakes, flowed downstream in rivers and started to witness the ultimate creative force of mother nature and the pace of grace. And I started to realize my innate power. I started to become intimate with my soul's identity, my eternal worth and value, which was so reflected to me when I was out in nature witnessing her and seeing my beauty and divinity within those reflections. So, Oh my God, Laura. Oh, I'm so blown away. And I'm just now going to try to share all of this on Facebook and another page, but I'm not going to do that now. <laughs> can I continue just, if you want to be, if you want to continue well, with the I tech, just, I can share a bit more. Yeah. Well, I, I think I just want to say that like you're one of the things that I am so moved by, I feel like your story is so important. It's one of the most important breakdown breakthrough stories I've ever heard because it, this, the money issue is such a critical aspect of being human and we all have to figure it out. And I feel like we're all standing on the shoulders of the ones who came before and we're all survivors. I mean, our species, our human species has survived millennia and we know how to survive 
and um and we just we're trying to but this generation that you're kind of you're kind of taking the quantum leap off of your parents shoulders from surviving to thriving but it's an issue i feel like you're the poster child and your parents are part of being the poster children for money ain't going to fix it and look at it didn't fix it it didn't like all that money all of that like it it wasn't enough it didn't fill the void and so if anybody i mean everybody to some degree has a financial struggle even if they have plenty there's the fear that it's not enough or and if they're if it, it's like it's always in a state of flux and the possibility is for us to I, I feel like you stand for not only can you survive a financial hardship because you did and not only can you survive a double devastating loss all at the same time and then more losses after and come out thriving but you also stand for a new paradigm as it relates to financial flow and being cared for and so so can you describe some of your some of the guiding principles that um that we can find in your book mm. yeah yeah yes well <clears throat> and it's a journey back to self by the way i just have to say that one more time a journey back to self is the name of the book and you must get it and there's i want to i want to tell everybody all about it but i want you to just touch on some of the principles that most move you. Well, I just wanted to say briefly, you know, the post poster child symbology that you shared is also what I refer to as the ultimate zeitgeist of our time, meaning, yeah. and, and it actually lends itself very intimately and very intentionally to the purpose of my pain. So when I had that breakthrough moments where I was able to just, you know, gasp the possibility um, that there was uh, a divine orchestrator, if you will, there, mm -hmm. there was um, a purpose to what I was going through. This was a signature moment for me um, to open myself up to, uh, yes, the chaos with purpose. And so to your point, what have we experienced in the last couple of years? We've experienced these hallmark, pivotal moments. Mm -hmm. uh, we have suicide at an all time high. It is off the charts. And yet we also have human consciousness at an all time high. Yeah. Uh, so, so we are in such a crossroads and so, uh, to your point, I believe that I experienced all of that to share um, with people at the signature time in our human evolution, this pivotal time in our human evolution, the essence of true wealth and the essence of true security. And so oftentimes people do ask me about the financial piece and it is so important, you know, 73, last I checked, 73 five, 76% of stress was finances right. followed by jobs. Well, job is intimately woven with finances. Um, I understand there's the job stress that happens on the job. The essence of what I think we're really being invited to remember more than anything is that when we go within, we never go without. Oof. And, and Oof, that's great. So much of our focus we have been taught is to look outside for validation, 
to, you know, look outside for our sense of worth, uh, our sense, our, our, our sense of personal validation is based on what we're doing, what we're accomplishing. Uh, and it's fundamentally dysfunctional. Uh, it's fundamentally mistaken. And as I had shared earlier, financial freedom is an oxymoron. Why is that? Mm. Because mm -hmm. we are vibrational beings. We are creating from our thoughts and our core beliefs. So to suggest that our freedom exists in our finances is the core culprit to why there is such emotional dis-ease on our planet. And I am not one to say that money isn't an essential part of being human. It is in this three-dimensional realm in which we live. And yet it is an extension. It is an aspect of our consciousness. It is an aspect of evidence of results that will come into our life. We could call it prosperity. We could call it currency. We could call it abundance. These are all different words to speak to the reflections of what will come into our experience based on what? Based on our core beliefs, based on our essential relationship to ourselves. So I always say life treats us the way we treat ourselves. Ooh, say that one more time. That was good. Mm. Life treats us the way we treat ourselves. And I'm not just referring to fabulous, you know, spa treatments. Right. Uh, the healthiest recent smoothie we drank, all of that is fine. <laughs> it's, it's, but it's secondary nutrition. And what we're being invited to focus on now is what I refer to as primary nutrition. Yeah. And so to the point of the money and the financial flow for anyone who is seeking, which I believe we all are, everything is emotionally motivated. So for anyone who is seeking a deeper state of freedom, well-being, security, we're being invited to acknowledge through our contrasting experiences, does that work? Do we feel secure? Do we feel free based on what is in our bank account, based in the external aspects of our lives? And, and I mean, consistently, I'm not talking about the fleeting ticker symbol experience that I was sharing mm -hmm. uh, that occurred in my life, but do we really feel fundamentally secure? And I mean, I could ask you, I can ask the listeners now, do they really feel secure when they assign their security and their identity and their sense of worth? to the external. And I just want to give everybody a moment uh, to consider that, to think about that. And I mean, consistently. Hmm. Yeah. And I think everybody could agree that no, we don't. That is, that is not the source of our security and freedom and well-being. This it is an extension. To be in school. <laughs> yes. 
it's an extension. We need to be, yeah, it's an extension. It's an extension of what? Of our core beliefs, of our core relationship to self, of our primary nutrition, which is I refer to as our, the stories that we tell, you know, everything in life is based in story. What story are we telling ourselves on a daily basis? Are we focused on lack, scarcity? Have we subscribed to the ultimate illusion and lie, which is the foundation of this existence is based in scarcity? Are we living life in defense mode? We have to fight for our share, nose to the grindstone, pound the pavement. I have to work hard to make ends meet. I have to do, 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 it's never enough. The other shoe's gonna drop. It's too good to be true. These are all, our words are very powerful. They are indicating thought forms. And so it is very vital. The awareness piece is everything. Awareness is the greatest facilitator. So my invitation with this massive grace period, and I don't say that to undermine the trials that people have experienced with the pandemic, um, but one of the chapters in my book is called Hindsight is 2020. It's what is what was the year 2020 as an intentional instigator? What was what were we really being invited to be present with? Uh, for me, it and everybody that I've worked with, it's been all about reorienting, reforming, coming back to self, mm -hmm. seeing and acknowledging where the codependencies have resided. Where can we step into greater sovereignty? Where can we flourish more? But in order to flourish more, we have to be in touch with the true basis of our flourishing. And so we can see as things crescendoed and they're still crescendoing in this demolition site in which we're existing right now, we can see what hasn't worked. And it's not to judge it, but history repeats itself because we repeat the same stories over and over. We focus on the same thing over mm -hmm. and over. So the 2020 has given us an opportunity to really connect to what is at the core of our well-being. What is at the core of our state of abundance? In retrospect, it is amazing to me how much I limited my state of abundance by being focused on my bank account to the mm. degree that I was. Mm. It robbed me of all of the abundance that I actually oh did have in my life. Ooh. So so for those of you who are just joining us, I'm talking to my beautiful and amazing friend, Laura Fredrickson and her book, is a journey back to self for those who've lost their way and her website is laurafredrickson.com we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back with you so don't go anywhere be right back all are welcome we're glad you found us unity online radio the voice of an awakening world dream interpretation, and a lot more. Welcome back to Ask Dr. Dream with Kelly Sullivan Walden. 
Okay, so we're back from our break and you're listening to the Ask Dr. Dream show and I'm so excited. I'm Kelly Sullivan Walden, by the way. So happy to be talking with Laura Fredrickson about her book, Journey Back to Self for Those Who've Lost Their Way. And we've been having a very profound conversation. I'm listening to this amazing being and I'm so, so blown away by your book. And this is the zeitgeist of our time. Um, I want to, there's so many questions I have for you. So let's just see how many of those I can get. Cause I'm kind of trying to be like in the mind of the people listening um, on one level. I know that we're coming into the season of the witch we're coming into. If people are watching or listening to this in real time, it's almost Halloween, Dia de los Muertos, Dia de all of the Dia days. And this is the time where we honor our departed loved ones. And there's a lot of people that are very sad right now. And and, you know, as soon as we're done with Halloween and all of these ceremonies, we go into the holidays, which is also can be a very melancholic time regarding those we love. And I'm curious, because you've done such deep work on yourself and I mean, you've truly done the hero's journey, you've gone through the belly of the whale and you've, and the supreme ordeal, and you've come out with an elixir and then you've come home with the elixir. You've got this book that you've written journey back to self for those who have lost their way. And you're, you have this elixir to share back in the ordinary world. You're here and it wouldn't, this book wouldn't exist if it wasn't for your parents and what they did, their, their steps and their missteps. Does it help? My question is, let me see if I can put this into something cogent. Does it help in the grieving process? And I know it's been years, but does it help knowing that there's a higher purpose that you've discovered in in the relationship that you have with them. And there's some part of their, the positive aspect of their legacy that you're getting to, to carry because through the alchemy of your story. So does that help? Mm -hmm. Well, perspective is everything. And I think for anyone who is going through a feeling or a perception of loss, it is very essential to keep that primary perception that we are not alone there is a divine conspiracy. There is purpose within chaos. There is, I'm going to speak to the connection with loved ones who have crossed over because I'm a spirit medium and I've done a lot of, uh, I've offered a lot of support to those who have lost loved ones uh, to suicide and other uh, mm. experiences. This is one of the gifts that I have claimed more fully in the last couple of years. Um, but I will say perspective is everything. So when we perceive that life is happening to us, and there is no benevolent undercurrent to our circumstances, we suffer. It is very, very important. And as collaborators and corroborators in our life, it is very important. Our perception is one of the ways in which we are harmonizing with the spirit realm, or we are in resistance to it, but we are creators of our own reality through our vibration. So it's very important whenever anybody is going through loss of any kinds, to really open yourself up to the question, the quest ion. Mm. How is this actually mm. serving my greater states of empowerment and fulfillment? How is this divinely ordained to support my purpose? How is this actually serving my greater connection and unity within myself and mm. to my soul and how is this actually promoting my soul's evolutionary fulfillment 
So these questions are very vital because then we begin to partner with the cosmic orchestrator, if you will. And it's a very essential piece. So the perspective is everything. In terms of, uh, and I say losing with quotation marks because I believe when we use languaging such as we have lost our loved ones, mm, it already sets right. us up to suffer. Right, right. That we've yes. lost something, right. Mm, yes. Lose them. Right. Yes. And as Rumi says, you know, everything we lose comes around in a different form. And I believe that life is the ultimate recycling program. It's all based in energy. Mm. So when a loved one transitions, one of the things, if anybody is missing a loved one, if anyone is grieving, there's two things I feel called to say, first of which the grieving process is essential. However, it is very important to set forth a time frame to allow yourself to grieve. Oftentimes what I've had when I work with people is the grieving process has no end date. Mm -hmm. And why this is so essential is grief is a very, very low vibration. Mm -hmm. And in order to connect with your loved ones, mm -hmm. where they are behind the veil and whatever dimension they are on, yeah. they are able to connect with you and send messages in the way that they will. There's many ways that that can happen through a vibration of joy, gratitude, love, enthusiasm, appreciation. It needs to be in those higher vibrational realms for mm -hmm. a couple reasons. We're open in those cases. When we're in grief, we're typically closed down. So we're not able to actually see the communications, feel the communications of our loved ones and the way that they want to communicate that they are still with us. And the last thing I'll say is every single time we are thinking of our loved ones. They're actually present with us. Mm. Mm. And especially after mm. they cross over, they tend to stay relatively close to assist that sort of grieving process. So I just want to say that do not underestimate the potency of thinking of a loved one because the actual thought of your loved one is letting you know they are present with you. It's a very important piece. Yes. So, so it's almost like there's two completely different, um, like polarities to juggle with this because it's like, it's almost like when we really need something, that thing that we need just is so far out of reach. It's like, um, like when somebody's, I don't know, this is kind of the opposite metaphor, but if you're bleeding, the sharks tend to get you. It's like, if you, it doesn't like if we're missing somebody deeply in some way, it's like it, the, that vibration, like you said, grief can, is a lower vibration. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like, I, but I really want to connect with her. Where is she? Like that tantrum may be the thing that pushes her away. I'm thinking of my friend Gypsy who passed away a year ago. And, mm -hmm. and I've noticed in moments where I'm just swept up in like a for whatever reason, whether it be songs or whether it be a, just a spiritual moment in meditation or whatever, I feel like, wait a minute, is that her? Is that like, there's, there's, I feel like I, the, the, the filtering in of messages come, but I don't need her in those moments because I'm already in a pretty full place. And there she is. It's like rich, you when rich becoming rich, begets more riches in some way, poverty begets more poverty in some way. It's like when you're full, you get more 
you get more. So it's like, if we want, if I want more connection, then the fuller I practice being and vibrating, the more of that fullness will come back. So is any of that mm-hmm. kind of Absolutely. landing? Absolutely. And I think it's, I wanted to just say, so whenever you, in this example, you ask, is that her? The question is already implying the answer. Mm-hmm. So in the spirit realms, it's going to function very subtly, but it's very powerful. So if, if yeah. you're asking, oh, is that her? That's already indicating that she's in your field. I mean, yeah. I just had this thought the other day about loved ones, because I know this is, you know, part of the, part of what we get from being in the field, being in your field. Um, I was imagining like the book, the five love languages, how we, mm-hmm. you know, s- words of affirmation, gifts, physical touch, quality time, acts of service. Mm-hmm. It's almost like all of us humans basically have these love languages, but this, our spirit friend, whoever's on the other side, they can't necessarily communicate in those, those love languages. So we feel Mm-hmm. unloved we feel uncommunicated with like oh they're not talking to me oh they've forgotten about me but it's like wait maybe we need to tap into their love language which is a different love language it's not going to be those regular old acts of service it might be acts of service on a higher level don't get me wrong but so it's almost like we're having tantrums that i want my acts of service i want my love language i want them to speak to me the way i want them to speak to me and if they don't i'm going to have a part a pity party because they're not coming to me when all the while they're there trying in every way to love us and give to us. But we're like, no, if it's not wrapped in this package, I don't want it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, love and connection cannot coexist in attachment and fear. Oof. Oof. Mm, that's so, Ooh, say that again. That was good. That was good. You're so, you're so full oh. of these great bombs. Oh, well, the, the love, the love and connection, which is what we're really wanting to feel. I'm not even saying seeking because that would already imply it doesn't exist. So right. the love and the connection cannot be felt in the presence of attachments and fear. Hmm. So when we get attached to the way it needs to be, well, what's informing that is fear and the vibration of fear is not the vibration of love, nor is attachment. So their ability to connect with us will not be known to us. Well, let me say it to you this way. The feeling of the connection that is always available to us will not be felt to us, by us rather, if we are focused on the way it needs to be, which is attachment, which is based in fear. So it's like we're invited to be a part of some spiritual Olympics where we just have to raise our vibration. Like the, it, it's almost like the, the feeling of grief and all that density has a seduction to it. It's kind of like, I want to just lay down in this mud puddle here and bring everybody into it with me. And I don't want to get up. There's like a, so I feel like they're just like in yoga, how we have to topple over, we have to invert, we do things to just like flip the energy over to, to access, wait a minute, I'm full. I don't need to live inside this. I'm empty. Where's this person or as a, even as a kind of as a demonstration, I remember at the end of a relationship, I was in years and years and years and years ago. I remember thinking I must wear black now for a very long time to prove that I loved this person. And I must, and it was like, wait a minute, 
he's not even around to see any of this. Like maybe I don't have to grieve for so long. That doesn't mean I didn't love. It doesn't mean we didn't love. What if I, I don't know. What if my grief was short and deep and sweet and then I could be moving on? Mm. Well, I think it's an invitation to define grief. Yeah. And for people to ask themselves, what am I grieving? Right. What is the perception that is informing? Because our emotions are signposts as to whether we're congruent with fundamental truth or we're subscribing to fear and lack and the illusion of something that's not actually based in truth. So I don't want to ever negate people's human experience, but when I guide people, as I mentioned before, it's very important to have a very specific period of time where you allow yourself to I be in the that. mud. And well, the mud. What, how long of a period of time would you typically would, so you want people to ask themselves? I, yeah, I would never project that on anyone. Um, but I think it's first step is to get clear on what am I grieving? What is the belief that I that's have great. about this experience that's actually causing the emotion of grief? Right. Mm, that's great. And once someone can be present with that, they might uncover that the story they're telling themselves is actually false. Right. Ooh. Or it's just one way to look at the story. I mean, we, it's in some way, this is why dreams are so important to me because in playing in the realm of dreams, there's more than one way to interpret a dream. And the dream is always coming to us in the surface of our health, healing, and wholeness. And we can interpret a dream where something's on fire we can interpret it as, oh, impending doom. God has lost me or drop, dropped me. Or we could say, oh, radical change, passion. It's time for like, instead of baby step change, it's, it's one fell swoop. And how great is that to get to drop yeah. a thousand belief systems that are not the best and, and, yeah. and to have like a, a clean slate. So I want people to know about this amazing book, um, a journey back to self. Your... I just want to say yeah. one, one thing. So yeah, yeah. when I, when I said false, I mean that it's not congruent with the energies of love and connection. That's a great, right. Right. That's what I meant by false. We all can interpret how we want. So I, I didn't want to sound judgmental. Like it's true and false. What is promoting the experience of love and connection and availability for continued presence with our loved ones? which story is keeping us in the mud. And, and I have nothing to say about mud. Right. Your loved ones are not hanging out in the mud. Your loved ones are not hanging out in the mud. Right. So if you want to hang out with your loved ones, you can be in the mud and then allow that mud and muck in the same way the Lotus does. Right. Utilize that, utilize that fertilizer for your greater availability and bloom and blossom to connect with where they are. So I just wanted to take a moment to, because I, <clears throat> I yeah. know false can sometimes be falsely interpreted. So I just wanted to say that before you shared further. Yeah. Right, right. Mm. So ah, there's so much in that, but I just want people to have a sense of what's in this amazing book. And I'm just going to kind of skim through the, the briefest of not even all of the table of contents, but we've got this, your journey of remembrance, the purpose of your pain soul contract. You're not alone. Hindsight is 2020, as you've mentioned, referring cleverly to the year 2020 that we all were like, yay. Um, redefining success, <laughs> self-worth beyond net worth. That needs to be a tattoo inside our eyelids, the divine conspiracy, which I want to ask you about in a moment 
ancestor tribute. So this is why I wanted to have you on right before we go into Halloween and Dia de los Muertos, a way that we can acknowledge our, our um, ancestors and pay tribute to them beyond forgiveness, priceless, reca priceless recalibration mantra. Who do you think you are? Radical gratitude, the power of your perception, the power of your imagination, the convenient truth. I love that. Coping with the loss of a loved one and a prayer for those that walk the earth. And then you've got this whole other section of the book called Winging It Interviews, where you talk with um, all these really amazing people. One of them is Ricky Lake, who lost her, is it her husband or fiance? Husband, Christian Evans, Chris, yes. Right. Mm -hmm. And then Yasmin Clark. Um, didn't lose him. Didn't, didn't lose him, but yes. Uh -huh. Didn't, oh, right. Gosh, it's yeah. interesting. It's okay. Yeah, Lost yeah. the the ability to physically see him his body and nearby uh but i think it's good to really define these things yeah. so you have yeah. these incredible um conversations that you have with these people so this is like really two books in one and it's and it's it's just ahead, and this it's, big yeah and it's yeah and i feel like it's so from what i get from this book it's a way of being able to reframe the whole financial perspective and a way to be able to find true freedom as well as being able to have this inspirational guide for when we do lose our way we all do we all go through traumatic loss and in those moments we lose our way i've been there many times actually i was going to say several i'm like no it's more than several <laughs> it's it's in the many category and in welcome those, to the human journey yep. right but to have yeah. a guide it's in those in those dark dark moments when i've had my darkest moments it was other people's stories. It wasn't the platitudes that helped me. It was, it was the story of other people that had gone through worse than I have, than I had gone through and seeing, wow, they made it through. What were the breadcrumbs they left behind? And let me try that on. And a big part of it, Victor Frankl is actually the one that has helped me through my darkest moments. And who would know? I mean, there's so many other more contemporary spiritual teachers, but I feel like in some way you're the female present time version of somebody who's gone through a really, really difficult thing and come through blazing, shining, and with so much wisdom to share. It's just, I don't know. I just, I so honor you. And I, I want everyone to read your book. I want them all to listen to you and take in your wisdom deeply. I just, I'm really holding the space for there to be this radical moment where we truly shift, where we don't have to go through the pain, like Reverend Michael Beckwith says, pain pushes until inspiration pulls. Wouldn't it be great if we could learn through the pain of others for, for the most part and be able to, so we can pay more attention to the things that, that inspire us. Okay. So in the, in the few minutes that we have remaining the divine conspiracy, tell us a little bit about that. You mm. mentioned that earlier, but I want to, I just want to unplug that a little bit more, unravel that a little more. Yes. The divine conspiracy is the undercurrent of well-being, uh, the ultimate orchestrator that is promoting our hero's journey within the divine dramas of our life. And so there is a purpose within our physiology. I will usually present this in a way because, you know, we all have these skin suits and we can turn within and realize, wow, there's an incredible ecosystem that is happening within my own being, within your being, within all of our bodies that is so intelligent. It is governed by an infinite intelligence. And this infinite intelligence, this divine conspiracy is orchestrating 
from the microcosm to the macrocosm to the intimate details of our own selves. And so it, the divine conspiracy is allowing for every experience we have uh, to actually promote greater fertility, uh, more fruitful harvest. I mean, we can look at uh, forest fires. So if we look to nature right. as being an example for this, yeah. our ego mind wants to interpret that as devastation. And, and I've lived through forest fires. I had a home burn in a forest fire. I, I know, I know I'm not trying to negate right. the human's interpretation of loss and all that comes with that animals. I, I, I'm not negating well, loss here again, the word loss, which my guides are like, you cannot use that word anymore. It is false. Change. <laughs> it's change, yeah. change it's, in the structure a change in the transition it's a it's a transition of energy it's a metamorphosis of energy it's a yeah. it's a shift in energy yes all of that so the point of the forest fire is that if we look to nature the symbology of that forest fires are actually promoting richer soil so i believe that the devastation the perceived devastation of our lives is actually promoting richer souls within our own beings richer soil own, richer soul mm. yeah Ooh, yeah. ooh, I love that so much. I'm, I'm right in the midst of writing a book called A Crisis is a Terrible Thing to Waste. And this is just so speaking my language. I could just like reach through the screen and bite you. Oh. <laughs> it's like, oh, I just love it so much. It's like, I don't want anybody to, to waste a crisis. It's like, if you're going to have one and you will, it's like milk it for all it's worth. And doesn't mean don't cry and don't, but like, let's just know even while it's happening, if we can in real time, that we're becoming a butterfly, the butterfly version of ourselves. Or it's like, if we could know that it might not, I mean, a couple years ago, a few years ago, when I was in Colombia, I'd been riding on the plane all the way over to Colombia about change and all this stuff and the power of loss and or whatever, like just all that, all this stuff. And then when I landed in Colombia, my purse got stolen with mm. my laptop in it with my books on it that weren't backed up and my passport and my cash and it was like no i didn't no but there was this little teeny thought bubble in the midst of my like how am i going to travel internationally without a passport mm. oh my god but it was like remember like a crisis is a terrible thing to waste like don't like ugh, arguing with myself but knowing all the while I know, I know there's a blessing. I know I'll, I'll, there will be, a, I mean, I'll figure it out, but right now it just sucks. But knowing it, it shortened, it quickened the time from like, to, oh, and it was like within 30 days, I was, I was like, ah, I wouldn't trade this for anything. There was so much that I got. So we have just like a couple minutes, literally um, the, the, the priceless recalibration mantra. Is that something that could be shared? briefly to send us off into our Dia de los Muertos and our Halloween with a new perspective? Uh, yes, well, the Prices Recalibration uh, was inspired from the Hawaiian Ho'oponopono, which is a very mm. ancient mantra. Yeah. I worked with it for years and I found that there was an aspect of it that felt outdated as the consciousness was shifting and so and I say that with total respect but there was mm. also a lot of misinterpretation mm -hmm. uh there was it was very popularized I think about 20 years ago and so the essence right. of Ho'oponopono is I'm sorry please forgive me thank you and I love you 
And people were using that to continue human conversations. So I'm sorry, I said this to Sally and then she said this and then please forgive me. But the essence of that mantra is really based in knowing the source and the origin of everything we're experiencing is based in consciousness. So mm. I'm sorry is, I'm gonna just go with the Ho'opono and then I'll shift quickly before we close to the prices mm -hmm. recalibration. So I'm sorry is, I'm sorry for an error in my perception that has outpictured as pain and drama in my life. Please forgive me, well, spirit, God source is not judging us, uh, but we can certainly judge ourselves. So that was an opportunity to come back to base camp forgiveness. Oh, I forgive myself for mm. focusing on an aspect of life through the lens of lack, scarcity, fear, doubt, what isn't working, which then outpictured as something other than love and connection. Mm. Uh, I'm sorry, please forgive me. Thank you. Well, we know the potency of gratitude and appreciation. It's the highest vibration we can offer. So it's thank you. Just bringing it back to that. And then I love you, which is the pure essence of who we are. So I worked, I guided a lot of people through that for a while. I myself worked with it for a while. And there became a time, there came a time rather, where I realized that I'm actually not sorry, like, sorry, not sorry. <laughs> and, and it's not that I'm not sorry, of course, for the human experience. I'm not trying to say this to be insensitive, but from a very deep spiritual level and from a consciousness standpoint, I know and I was shown that every single experience we have is an intentional instigator for our greater union with our essential self. So on that note, and we'll say more about this on Facebook Live, but we need to wrap up for the Unity okay. side of things. So those of you listening on Unity Online Radio, go to my Facebook page, Kelly Sullivan Walden, so you can hear the rest of this juicy conversation. And Laura Fredrickson, thank you so much for joining thank me. Everybody, you. make sure you get her book, A Journey Back to Self. For those who have lost thank their you, way, everyone. and that means all of us. Thank you so much. Join me next week. I'm Kelly Sullivan Walden, aka Dr. Dream, and don't take your dreams lying down. Mwah, sweet dreams. Wow. Thank you for listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Hey, it's Radley Valentine. Join me for a brand new way of connecting with your angels on my new podcast, The Angel Tarot Show. Each week, you'll meet your angelic guides and guardians and find new ways to unlock unconditional love, tune into your intuitive abilities, and create the joy-filled life that, well, you've always wanted. Plus, you'll get a useful and timely energetic weather report, bringing you guidance for the coming week. Tap into the healing, hope, and guidance that's all around you on The Angel Tarot Show exclusively on mindbodyspirit.fm.